Bird on the Rocks. All right, everybody, welcome back to another Off the Record on the Rocks in what has been the craziest week in markets in crypto. We are just rolling straight into it. I literally, this is a true off the record on the rocks. I've got the whole bottle of Basil Hayden that I am pulling the 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 seal off of to break open a new bottle. It's going to take it, man. What has, where do we even start? Where do we start? I think, let's just start by reminding everyone that when the world, and I mean everyone who prints news articles across every website when the world says crypto they are talking about a very specific thing with a very general term so one of the things i i mean this week has shown us that of all those pillars that we talk about of which one is bitcoin one is every other cryptocurrency ethereum and all the different other blockchains one is DeFi. One, it would be NFTs. And then of course we had the metaverse, right? You have these different pillars. And what we're talking about right now is something that is underneath that ETH and cryptocurrency category that's not Bitcoin. And really, if you go down a couple more rungs, what we're talking about are centralized exchanges of those currencies. And that just to kind of narrow focus this week has been, and actually not even this week, Ever since uh, Luna and Voyager and Celsius and all those guys from before crashed, it's you're just talking one centralized exchange with one human being at the head who can be wildly and easily manipulated uh, the same way that every other financial industry has had similar scandals, right? I mean, it's a classic Ponzi in like the Bernie Madoff sort of uh, vein, if you will. But man, uh, talk about how many tethers and little tentacles that get exposed when one big Ponzi goes down, everyone's getting dragged out into the light. So this is, um, man, I don't even know. That's where, that's where I would start just to kind of organize our thoughts. But throw it back to you. What was the craziest thing you've heard in the last 48 hours? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, well, let's just start here, right? We're, we're, we're talking about FTX. We're talking about Bankman Freed Fried. I don't even know how you say it. We're talking about- Bankman the- Fraud. The Bankman fraud, the $32 billion valuation of FTX evaporating overnight, um, the, the, the complete collapse of this. I mean, when you ask me what's the craziest thing I read, and when I just heard you say, you know, the, again, we've talked about that tide going out and everybody left standing, you know, with, with who's got pants on and, and you can see really who the real players are that I just made like a crazy leap in my head back to you. the craziest thing I read was SBF's mother being connected to fundraising efforts with the Biden campaign. And I'm like, that to me, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. All of these things and you and I dabble in conspiracy theories and I hate to say it, but we, we, we root them in what's happening in the real world with, I think, an understanding of, as you always like to say, we, we will never know the full extent of what's actually happening. This one to me is like, whoa, whoa, that curtain is now lifting up a little bit of if the tide's going out and FTX fails and now they're filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy to 
recover assets to benefit who? <laughs> Who's getting whatever's left here? And you know what's going to come out of it is regulation. Bingo. There's no question now that the regulation must come. These these markets, as you described, this kind of second layer, these uh, centralized exchanges must be regulated like banks if they are going to be able to give loans, take loans, lend money, and not have it be backed by anything, which is, in essence, what FTX was doing. So that's the craziest thing I read this week of this guy running a, a – <laughs> a brothel in the Bahamas while his mother was donating to the Biden campaign. Like you can't make this up. No, can't make it up. And also to piggyback on that. I mean, that that's the, I probably of the two of us, I'm a little bit more inclined to be on the conspiracy theory side of things. Um, just because I like to read between all the lines of all these stories, but as the details come out, you know, we were talking earlier this week about, wow, you know, Sam Bankman fraud, really does seem like he was set up by someone to be a patsy of some kind to take a fall for for someone the question is who right well who's behind all this like you said we know the government wants to regulate well what's the best way to force everyone to agree and to be complicit with that well you basically set up a gigantic institution like you said however many million or billions it was have it evaporate knock it and over. then obviously say that is the bad guy we the government who are your friend are going to come and protect you from these bad actors like that and you're like well, who are these bad actors so sam bankman freed the the ceo of alameda research which is the kind of company behind ftx which is i mean it's just a shell company i guess out of the bahamas where the brothel is is run by a 28 year old girlfriend of him who ostensibly is some MIT graduate. Um, and she is the daughter, uh, her name is uh, something Ellison. And she's the daughter of someone who is pals with Gary Gensler from MIT. Because Gary, Gary Gensler is a professor at MIT, who is the head of the SEC. And, and Sam Bankman Freed's father wrote the I guess it's like the the lead text on tax code that's taught at law schools. I want to see it might have been a Harvard guy. The mother is a Yale lady who is, like you said, the lobbyist for the Dems out of Stanford. And his aunt, I don't know whose sister it is, but is a dean at Columbia and has ties to the World Economic Forum in Davos. So if you're at World Economic Forum in Davos and you know Gary Gensler, and you know the you, the number one like donation manager for the Democratic you know Foundation, and you know these banks want to get a piece of it. Well, it would be really easy for you to say, well, let's give you know Homeboy's kid a whole bunch of money, run this out of the Bahamas, and let's make it famously crash, and then we'll slide in, and we'll be able to just impose regulation on all these exchanges without anyone even batting an eye. And that to me also exposes like, I mean, supposedly the number two donor to the Biden campaign is, you know, somehow tied to the FTX money. Some, you got SEC, that latest article I sent you where there is now Congress people who are questioning the relationship between the SEC and FTX, that there were all these accommodations and loopholes that were given to help them kind of continue to grow their money. I mean, it actually, if you go back and look at Madoff and that Ponzi, or go back and just look at 
whenever an organization can print money out of thin air, like the American government and the feds, you know, FTX was just printing FTT tokens yeah. to like build liquidity. So they basically made a whole bunch of fake money to get a whole bunch of real money. And then like all Ponzi's couldn't back. And, it. and if the money stops coming, then the whole thing folds like a house of cards. Um, but the number of people who are implied in this, it, I think it's going to go deep. But we're, we're seeing the tip of an iceberg. And I think it might actually end up taking down a lot of other really big people. And I'm not talking like Tom Brady and Giselle and like Steph Curry, who are the shills of the company. I'm talking like real po- politicians and country leaders. Um, I think we're only seeing the very start of this whole thing. I, Shocking. I, I mean, <laughs> the coincidences of the connections to money and power are too too much to ignore. So while we may not know where those dots connect, all of those dots are on the plot right now, right? They, they, mm-hmm. Somehow, some way, there's some uh, nefarious action. Undoubt. I mean, clearly, <laughs> you got the yeah. you got the first domino. Um, but how far does that corruption lead? What what are those accommodations that are being made? Because that starts to become interesting. Of like. They were trying to push the boundaries, but they needed to operate in order for this, you know, to, to, oh my goodness. Yeah. I think you're right. We, we are just at the tip of it. Um, it is wild. The, the other thing I, I started to allude to, and you talk about the wildest thing you read of, and it sounds like his girlfriend being the CEO of one of these entities and this, this being run out of a, just sounds like a penthouse in the Bahamas, like a brothel, literally like. I'm picturing, you know, they're waking up every morning, smoking a fatty, logging into their computers, taking a long lunch break, maybe some other extracurricular activities happening in the penthouse, running the business, (laughs) coding it, right? Like, this will definitely be a Netflix special. Um, <laughs> Jonah Hill will play SPF. Exactly. Like it's, it's the same movie, right? It's the same movie. Well, I mean, and then like the show Billions. I mean, I feel like any of these shows are going to have to pick up this crypto thread and run with it because it now is too easy to tie to government conspiracy. It's, it's yeah. it screams government conspiracies up and down the chain. When you talk about SEC up and down the chain deliberately. Uh, deliberately snuffing out legitimate businesses, places like New York City with bit licenses where you, it prevents you from doing any innovation, all these obstacles. But then suddenly that private club of people who all know each other, we're talking Ivy League, Federal Reserve, Securities and Exchange, Democratic and, and Republican Congress people, money and power. I mean, it's a, it screams PSYOPs conspiracy. And if you need to make, uh, if you need to move a mountain, then just go find a bunch of idiots. And where do you get them? Oh, how about my my grad students at, at, at MIT? We'll get them and we'll put them in a house with all the weed and rum they can smoke and drink. And all we got to do is wait until the whole thing explodes. And then we can just roll in and establish massive new precedent for like why we need to avoid this stuff. And it's honestly out of, it's like right out of the playbook of like CIA stuff, you know, when you read those stories about how we go and undermine the stability of countries, you go to the banking system, like that's how you go. You go find the money and that's how you make people weak. 
and man, they just, but in this day and age with, well, and I was about to jump over to Twitter, but let's not go there yet. But I'm like, in this day and age of Twitter, at least while we still have Twitter, <laughs> you can read all this stuff super fast. But like it, 10, 15, 20 years ago, you couldn't know all this stuff. Right. I feel like if we had the technology today, what would we have learned about the Ponzi's of the turn of the century? I'll, I'll give you my take on that, which is I thought it was very interesting that the news came out on Election Day. Um, because yes. I, I talked to a lot of folks in Europe, uh, across the globe, you know, crypto much, much bigger, I think, within the, 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 the Asia market and, and just generally globally speaking, has much more stronghold than it does here in the U.S. in terms of user adoption and understanding. And for a lot of the folks I was speaking to in Europe, you know, they were all hair on fire and literally people here in the US were preoccupied. There was, it was not breaking through the mainstream news. It was sort of markets are down, you know, markets are down, everything's down, stocks are down, markets are down. And then the very next day, it's like the biggest bull run that we've had since COVID, right? And like the, the markets are trading up. And I just wonder how much of that kind of market manipulation, that storytelling. And 15 years ago, if this had happened on election day, it would get buried in the news cycle. You and I have talked a lot about the, the sort of com compressed news cycles, the compressed market cycles, literally the market moving through these ups and downs faster. Maybe it's kind of a catch-22 there. It's like, wh which one is the tail wagging the dog? It's like, is it the market moving faster? Is it the news cycle moving it faster? So therefore it gets buried under the rug faster. I don't know, but no doubt in my mind that the timing of that is designed to make it not break through the mainstream media so that it kind of is like, ah, yeah, markets are down. It's winter. And then here I'll go to another crazy place, which I don't even know how we how we start to understand this. But guess who Biden's meeting with on Monday? President Xi. Singapore or the Sheiks? Yeah. No, President Xi uh, going to China. Um, oh, Xi Ping's in the meeting in China. So right, right. Exactly. Like, I don't know. That seems odd to me as well. Like the timing of this, was that meeting planned? How long was it on the books? Like, is this out of nowhere? And then I think I sent you the other link too. Like you're starting to hear some rumblings of Russia retreating from Ukraine. Winter is coming. It's going to get cold. Like literally the, if that war stops or retreats, freezes, gets too cold, Russian soldiers can't do it. You get to a point where there's like a quiet time in, in, in this tumultuous environment, the war slowing. And then mm -hmm. you, you, you get into January, you get regulation on these cryptocurrencies. You get a global market ready to rebound. You get computer chips flowing through the ecosystem, through the supply chain again. Like it just all feels like a setup here for, yeah, the, we are at the bottom. <laughs> we are at the bottom. I'll call it now, November 11th. Like this has got to be, uh, I hope, knock on wood, I've been wrong before, but if it goes a little lower, you know, I, I still think everything I just described are the macroeconomic things happening that are being impacted by this FTX thing of like crypto is going to get regulated, markets are going to come back and it will be a part of market. Yeah, and I, I like you said the strings of there's no such thing as coincidences when it comes to governments and people in power. The governments and people in power curate and dictate the schedule of how the world 
basically either embraces or is just plowed over because of their power and their momentum. The timing of all this, like you just said, we talked a year ago about regulation coming. When does it come? Well, it usually comes in January and February when everyone gets back and they start signing new bills into, into law. We saw that happen at the beginning of this year. Remember when we came back and then there was some little whisper of the CBDC, the government e-dollar going to be used in some way for taxes. They're surveying you on your taxes. Have you ever held a digital commodity or whatever it was? And then Russia and then tanking the entire global economy. We talked about COVID dominating it's a chess game. the, the, the it's news a chess headlines. Game. And then we were joking about how, well, while COVID's dominating the news headlines, guess who stops attacking people? Terrorists and sharks. Because they can't get a headline because it's all COVID. So now Russia has the headlines. And like you said, if the war is going to slow, well, who is who ostensibly with the current information that we've seen leaked out and different like speculation, who stands to lose the most face in the great collapse of FTX and these guys? Well, if it turns out that FTX has been funneling ill-begotten money hardcore into the Biden administration, you better believe the Biden administration is not going to be happy about any of those details. So when you you already were going to have a shakedown, it, you already were going to regulate all these crypto exchanges and DeFi and things. The question is, when do you do it? Well, it would be really great to try to just do it on the day that literally no one is paying attention to anything to do with crypto. Oh, and don't even pay attention to the markets because the inflation report was was positive. So markets are up. Hey, guys, markets are up and go out and vote. And hey, these races are going to be too close to call for, I don't know, three, four. <laughs> do we need five weeks? How many okay, weeks do we need? Yeah, that's exactly. How many, five, six weeks? Okay. Hey, can we go to Nassau like now and go get Sam Bankman on a Can we get him in cuffs today? Because he's going to be arraigned in two weeks. And, you know, like, you, you know, there's you're a marketer. There's just yes. a nice market marketing calendar and there's That's content it. drops and they're planning the content <laughs> drops. And I'm like the drumbeat, literally the drumbeat. And it's like, wow, there's 5,000 articles this week about this. And I remember my mom saying, with my mom is my bellwether for when things hit. <laughs> right. Does it break through? And my mom says, Hey, you know, I saw a note at the bottom of my, you know, <laughs> Los Angeles weekly email that said that, there's uh, some problems with an exchange who has their name on the Miami Heat Stadium. <laughs> like, you heard that finally? How did you even hear that? <laughs> Dave, the media, the media machine of the, of the Democrats is just making sure that, we, I mean, here's what's going to, here, here's my hot take, I'll leave you with this, but just wait until we find out that what's actually on Hunter Biden's laptop it's just a shit ton of crypto and like all kinds of FTT coins and all this stuff that's going to show a direct path and direct like full on corruption between the SEC, the Federal Reserve, the Biden administration and orchestrating, you know, one of the biggest Ponzi's, uh, you know, in the background, whether it was intentional or not, again, the media isn't will that let you know the U.S. government. Isn't that what that's called? Um, sorry, yeah, so I just went you, straight there. But <laughs> but as soon as you see the headline that says investigation into blank for crypto blank, that's when you'll know the election's over. And that's yeah. also when you know the war in Russia's done because like now you can have time to look at it. Right. I mean, uh, it's intense what's about to go down, I think. Intense. I 
again, I do think you're you're spot on. We're still very early. I know we're making a lot of big hype. Uh, <laughs> hyperbolic statements, hyperbolic here, guesses, hyperbolic <laughs> statements. Um, I also did see some news about uh, Hong Kong sort of re-dabbing this uh, regulatory framework to allow crypto, um, and I just think that that timing is really interesting as well. That a global market that um, had, I guess, I don't know if they had banned it. Or, or what the the deal was, but now they're proposing allowing retail investors to trade in cryptocurrency. I think that was in October 31st. So within the past couple of weeks, you're seeing mm-hmm. this Asia market start to kind of compete for like being a hub for crypto, whether it's Hong Kong or Singapore, or, you know, you've got Biden meeting with Xi on, on Monday, like what maybe that it seemed like, I can make those connections like, well, maybe that's what they're negotiating. They're figuring out, like, how does this USDC coin become interoperable if we start trading with China and we all start putting it on the blockchain and we start making that the kind of the norm? Let's figure that out now, because if U.S. and China does it, then we can leave everybody else on the sidelines and we can regulate it together. Um, that that's the spirit of web three. We collaborate even when we're supposed to be competitors. So maybe that's exactly where this is going. Uh, no, the I US like China that discord starts on Monday. <laughs> I like that thread and just pulling that through. I mean, look, say what you will about governments and about leaders of governments, but the United States and China coexist and there's no question. Um, slowing down delivery of cars and vehicles, slowing down delivery of new iPhones. It all comes back to microchips. It all comes back to naturally occurring neon gas. It all comes back to Ukraine. Who doesn't say a word about Ukraine ever? China. Um, Who has wild family and friend business ties to Ukraine? Biden. Um, Is it some surprise that the flashpoint that is of our of this moment is going to be in Ukraine between Russia and and Ukraine. No, it's like this is the United. It's almost like the United States and China fighting a proxy war, and Russia and Ukraine are both the dopes because they're the ones being puppeted by these gigantic governments. You know, Russia has less uh, population than the U.S. It's a tiny country with no exports besides being able to turn on and off natural gas to Europe or whatever. I mean, most of the oil refined companies, we talked about this, well, it's like 90% of the oil refiners that are in those areas are Chinese companies. And well, they, and they're, they're running that they're running the, you know, nuts and bolts. And right now, like you said, if that digital yuan talks to the digital dollar and we just cut out and we literally cut out all those middleman derivative markets of banking, moving money and value and all that nonsense. The only the, the, the you know, it's going there. It's just on whose terms. And, you know, you gotta, you gotta have some things while they explode. You have to create a problem so you can come in and say, you're the guy to fix it. Oh. And this is what, this is 101, government 101, go bust some shit up and then show up and be like, Oh guys, I can help you. We've got an answer well, for this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you got the answer. How's the pipeline break off the coast of, you know, Finland? Just an accident? We've connected a lot of those dots, I mean, from early days. I mean, you you, you think about the original uh, uh, impeachment and the the deal in Ukraine and 
and then connecting that all the way back to China and the raw materials within that uh, that region that China needs in order to make computer chips and computer chips that are being used to build Web3 and to build the quote unquote metaverse, this virtual digital world that we are increasingly living in and the economies that are being built around this increasingly digital world, which rely on digital currencies. Like, I, I mean, that is a an, an amazing thread to, to tie things together so neatly. And again, I kind of come back around to it does feel like the market has changed like the the news cycle has changed these these previously unconnectable dots are getting more easily connected and i know you didn't want to go into twitter but it's it's a another microcosm of what's happening in the news cycle and this this whole world of authentication and who's who's real and who's not who's fake who's not what's a bot and what's not and what do you own? You know, do you own it? Does the bot own it? Does the computer own it? Is it on the blockchain? Did I say it? Did you say it? What's real? What's fake? Is it in the metaverse? I mean, that's what's happening now with with Twitter and and what Mr. Musk. So we we can shift gears into this this yeah. cycle here. But like, I'll just start with the craziest thing I saw this morning was a screenshot, and I don't know whether it was real or not. But I was flipping through, somebody had screenshotted all of these different various check marks. This has been the buzz of, you know, the the $8 for the verification. I'll give you my take on what is happening there. Then there was this official. You could ha both have the blue check that you paid for. You could have the official check. And I saw a couple of memes. There was one that had a Tesla, a little Tesla T beside the user's name. Whereas if you have a Tesla, you could authenticate your ownership of your Tesla now as a verification check on your Twitter profile. And I saw it and I thought, this is exactly the point. And this is how I think Elon and I, you know, say what you will about his style. But I think this is exactly the point that he is making, which is all the check mark says, all the check mark says is that I had money, <laughs> that I bought this thing. I can prove that I bought this thing. That's all it's saying at the end of the day, right? That that I have ownership over this phone or this tweet or this car or this digital artwork or this NFT. You can prove that through a non-custodial wallet, which anyway, I know I'm going off on a, on a tangent there, but, but I think what you're saying there is, is it's really interesting because you just kind of brought it back full circle for me because the, the original, idea of the Twitter profile migrating to the Dorsey view of the world, which was a blue hexagon that was an NFT that is become your persona. And what Musk is saying is, based on what you just said, I'm thinking, okay, it, it, he doesn't envision a light metaverse where everyone has a bored ape as an avatar, as a, hexa, a hexagonal proof of that I own this thing. Like you said, I mean, when you buy a Tesla or you own a Tesla, it sounds like you're going to get airdropped an NFT. And that NFT is going to be a little T that appears on your profile. And the blue check mark today, maybe you buy it. It's just a weird graphic, but maybe it then is an NFT, the gray check mark. And then there's suddenly all these products that you can purchase. I, I purchased these new Air Jordans. So I get a little Nike swoosh that I can put and I can only put it 
if I can prove with my wallet as I authenticate my Twitter profile that I can change my avatar to be that. So while everyone in their mind's like, well, I won't apply to me because I don't have, you know, quarter million dollars to buy a board ape. It's like, oh no, no, no. You got eight dollars, you can go ahead and get a blue check mark. You got a hundred thousand dollars, you can get a Tesla. You got one dollar, you can get a Starbucks. And put your little bullshit coffee in FTM. So I'm going to go to a whole other place, which we've talked about Twitter and this Project X of being like the one app environment. Now, I don't spend a lot of time inside of Venmo. I don't use a lot of those. I, I do have them. One of the things that weirds me out about Venmo is the emoji culture of people sharing what they bought. And I'm like, I don't need to see <laughs> that my old friend from high school paid a babysitter or went out to dinner or bought tacos for their friend. But there's this steady stream of everything that everybody's bought. Now bring that exactly back to what we just described. All of a sudden, Twitter, when I connect it to my Tesla app and I connect it to my Starbucks app and I connect it to my Delta app, everything I do is now on chain provable. I bought a Starbucks today. I bought a Starbucks today. That transaction today, if it were you and I, and I put a little coffee emoji of like, thanks for the coffee. You don't even say thanks for the coffee, right? You just put the coffee just emoji. Put the emoji. Exactly. People know what it means. So now take that same behavior and you know that this is something that is near and dear to my heart, which is behavior is the driver of markets. That behavior People are already comfortable with it. They may not be thinking about it in terms of blockchain actions and activities, but when they check in, like think old school Foursquare, who's going to mm. build the Foursquare of Web3? I mean, this is a huge question. I think Twitter has a good potential because I don't actually need to hit a button that says I'm in the Starbucks. My phone is going to know I'm in the Starbucks. I bought the coffee post it to my feed, all my friends can see, I bought 30 coffees this month, and now when I trade those coffees in and I fly to Hawaii, I'm proving who I am. I'm proving my identity because my friends will know, oh yeah, that's Toner, he goes to Starbucks every day and I think he and his wife flew to Hawaii last week, right? Like that behavior has been normalized and I think that's the point that's being made with this blue check mark. And I know that's a long way around, but that's all it really proves. Like, no, and it, it, it makes perfect sense. And as you talk about like the linking of these different services and then the visualization of what that is, again, let's go back to calling Twitter the original metaverse, right? Because what you're saying is without any real intention, my device, my phone, which is my access to this metaverse, knows what I'm doing. I, because the, the culture, the behavior is oversharing is just sharing because we all want to let, we all want to quote low key flex all the time and show people how we walked out of, you know, the Versace store and clearly you were in there probably getting something and I can have a little emoji of a handbag in my feed and I'm, you know, you're experiencing my life, my in real life has a lens, which is showing everyone a version, a metaverse version of that. Now let's talk about the next logical leap, which is when Twitter, if ever integrates with a service like Amazon, or you know, you talked about Venmo and PayPal, Venmo is owned by PayPal. Guess who started PayPal? Elon Musk. You don't think he knows people there still and has influence? I mean, you're going to see that Twitter app become 
that I think this this destination single app over time, it's not going to happen overnight, right? It's going to be a slow build. But as soon as Amazon or any any other way people actually transact lots of stuff and buy things, as soon as that becomes reflected, again, beyond, you know, what we tell each other we're paying each other back for. I think there's another leap, which is, hey, Toner bought a leaf blower. And I know that because he has literally a leaf blower emoji hasn't been invented yet, but now it's here and it's now it's not even about it being invented. Emojis are going to be minted. An emoji is going to be an NFT and there will be an emoji for literally every service and product you can think of because you need a way to express that without words that need to be translated into foreign languages. It's, it's kind of making me realize that this is, even, even if the story about Twitter filing for bankruptcy is is true, even if it's true, Oh, I hadn't heard this. Is this today? Yeah. So um, there was a thing that hit the Wall Street Journal that um, there's a bunch of people talking about that Musk warns of a potential Twitter bankruptcy. Um, That again, I talked to my buddy. I sent you the thread from my pal. It's in the it's in the thread I sent you. It's a Wall Street Journal article. Um, I mean, it probably is mostly speculative, but in this whole moment where everyone is filing for bankruptcy we all know that that doesn't mean things go away it just means things get refactored <laughs> you start over <laughs> you start over but maybe you actually just clear house move off all the debt move off all the bitter employees so a good buddy of mine in the bay area uh, at a company i won't disclose the names of any of that um just hired a high profile twitter technical lead to their team who went and just spewed story after story about the craziness at Twitter on the way out. People changing passwords to log in internal systems and then quitting. People pouring vinegar on disk drives. People shitting in the bathroom sinks. Like, I mean, just the kind of stuff that you can imagine disgruntled engineers who are being told by this psycho who's walking in carrying a kitchen sink that, like, you're, you're, that you're fired. And he said, these guys are saying now, because there's so many people in that first wave of layoffs that had all this institutional knowledge and Twitter, everyone, you know, thinks who's not in Silicon Valley is some super buttoned up company. Twitter is, you know, to use an old slang term in the, in the, in the industry is, yo, this is built on college code. As soon as someone says that, you know, oh, it was a startup that just got really big, really fast, but no one had ever gone back to do the work to clear up that, that short tidy it up. So then apparently the same guy that my pal had hired they're working with is getting calls from the HR department at Twitter asking to rehire them so they can come back in and like log into systems and sort stuff out. They turned off the entire HR system at Twitter because it was like, you know, it was a security risk of having the whole, like, you know, um, of someone screenshotting org charts and like blasting Twitter or blasting whatever with it. So they turn off the internal HR system, but then they send emails to everyone who's still there with their new managers. And so no one knows who is reporting to who or even where they sit or what they look like. And then they get locked out of the system and they can't turn it back on again. So now they're calling these guys and being like, yo, we'll pay you double for a who month. Who even works here? <laughs> like who, who don't even know? So, the fact that that thing hit, that there's going to be a, you know, a pro take on Musk warning about Twitter going bankrupt. Again, FTX today, a few hours before we started recording this, filed for bankruptcy. 
and Sam Bankman Fried is stepping down as CEO. It's like, no shit. He's stepping down. I mean, <laughs> not only that, he's going to go to jail and probably should, but probably won't because he'll just be trotted out and then released by all his pals who run the whole system. Uh, I mean, it, it's, I, I don't know, but if Twitter, I think is going to have, you talk about us hitting bottom. I think you were referencing the markets, but I have a feeling that we're, st- we're yet to see the rest of the dominoes that are going to fall, not just from FTX, which happens to be public and big right now, but from before, like even before with Luna and Voyager and all these guys who were the original VC investors in these companies, which these VC investors are supposed to be smart guys. I've met a lot of them. To, to, to not recognize a Ponzi or a crazy scheme, these guys, I think, knew full well what they were getting into. And when you're in the business of making money, you make money. Like, right, this is how, to take it all analog, this is how we got into the subprime mortgage collapse of, not, of less than 20 years ago. People who are really smart exploiting the system at the expense of retail investors' money. Um, now, in this case, and I'll just to bring it back to Twitter, in this case, at least Musk is tanking his own $44, million, $44 billion. He's not tanking any end user money. Yeah. Um, but the question is, how far is he willing to go after putting 44 bills in? Is he actually willing to file bankruptcy in order to build out of that debt, which would be a bizarre move for anyone? anywhere um i i i'm gonna leave it there and i think that that is something i want to see uh see if he can make it work but uh what a crazy week it's been i'm glad we just rolled right into this we are gonna need to stay on top of everything happening but you're right we are right at the beginning here of the fallout of these dominoes uh thank you again sir off the record on the rocks Thank <laughs> you.